Hey, Osiris listeners. We want to tell you about our friends at Sunset Lake CBD who support this show. Sunset Lake CBD is a Vermont hemp farm crafting affordable CBD products designed to help with sleep and stress without breaking the bank. If you haven't tried CBD before, take it from me, it's a game changer. I use Sunset Lake's tincture every night before I go to bed, helping me get solid, restful sleep. And their gummies are great for daytime. Check out their new Good Vibes gummies, which have just a bit of hemp-derived THC to help you relax and unwind. Sunset Lake CBD crafts products with hemp grown on their family farm and ships them directly to customers. They have tinctures, salves, edibles, coffee, smokables, and even pet products. By the way, their CBD chocolate fudge is awesome. Check them out today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use coupon code TIME for 20% off all products. Sunset Lake CBD, farmer-owned, Vermont-grown. Hey, Mike, I can't see clearly. Is that a lightning bolt on your shirt? You're damn right it is, Otil. This is Section 119. Hey guys, we just got our hands on some great new gear from an officially licensed partner of the Grateful Dead, Section 119. Oh yeah, Section 119. They sent me a pair of board shorts. They're actually really cool. I actually uh, wore them on stage and uh, they were really comfortable. You know, I live in board shorts in Florida, so that's kind of my jam. And uh, these have a cool print on them. Bertha's on there and the roses and stuff. I really like them. I got one of the performance polos with the Grateful Dead bolt embroidered in the chest. It's super stretchy, and I love the way it feels when I'm on stage wearing it. I feel like I'm representing the dead and rocking out some jokes in style. Section 119 was started by a couple of fans who wanted more than a lot tea to show their appreciation for the Grateful Dead. They started an apparel line that has everything you can imagine to represent the band at every occasion. And not just the dead, they've got some amazing fish duds as well. From button downs with dancing bears all over it, to board shorts with super vibrant prints and donuts all over your shirts and socks, they've got something for every fan for any occasion. If you're looking for more than a t-shirt to celebrate the Grateful Dead, the folks at Section 119 make the highest quality apparel. Boogie on over to section119.com and use code COMESATIME. That's all one word, comes a time, for 15% off your next purchase. Hey, this is Oteal. If you're liking what you're hearing, head on over to patreon.com forward slash comes a time pod and get your bus pass for an extra episode every week. Welcome back to another episode of my favorite podcast, Comes a Time with Oteal Burbridge and me, Mike Fenoya. My favorite podcast, too. I actually could say that because I've listened to a clip that Eric just made, just like to check it out. And I was laughing. I was like, I would sign up for this. I would definitely subscribe to this podcast. It was a good, nice job, Eric, on the 12 minute nope, clip. No better commercial, too, for a, a podcast. I mean, yeah, we would actually listen to it. <laughs> It'd be weird if we were like, God, this is the worst podcast. But. <laughs> well, today we have a drummer extraordinaire. Nikki Glassby. Uh, she is amazing. I met her when she was a teenager. She tells that story for us on the podcast. Um, she, people on the jam band scene will know her from uh, the group, the Nth Power, and which was Nigel's first concert. And I have played many shows with them 
at New Orleans Jazz Fest and different places. And um but she came out of Berkeley left on she tells a great story about this too about just intuition to just pack up and leave and go to New York when she had no money and no mm-hmm. prospects. And she goes and then she gets a gig with an all-girl band that Beyonce hired and all of a sudden she's on this you know, the biggest stages in the world. It's just a great story. And and what she's done since then, to me, is the even the real story. Um, she's just an incredible spirit, uh, incredible intellect, just a great person. I don't know. This is one of my favorite yeah. podcasts. No, that was uh, – she was – I could have listened to her for hours. Uh, that, just the story. I love hearing anybody's story when they have that pivotal, like, do-or-die moment. Where it's like, I can't do this anymore. I need to follow something. There's there's something else out there for me and I have to do it. And she hit that multiple times. And it yeah. seems like there's probably more to come. So uh, I'm excited all for, for all the listeners because this was – and we, you know, uh, I have to apologize to – I can't remember the name of the listener, but – Someone said you need to check out this Living Myth podcast, Michael Mead, who hopefully we'll be having on sometime soon. But listening to that and rough times is giving me this kind of thought process about like, okay, how do we take what we've already learned and use it in this, you know, plate of shit that we're living in now? So we got to talking with Nikki about that. And that I really loved because it led the conversation in a like a really positive direction on how we need to look at the little things that happen and and some of the most important moments she's had in her life and other. So I'm I'm really stoked for the listeners to to and check her out, man. Check out the music's phenomenal and and they're on tour right now and uh, support them. Yeah, if you get to see her play drums, you're gonna be. This one thing she did, I've told you about it last night, Michael, which they did the uh, Parliament Funkadelic tribute with uh, Dumpster Funk. It was at uh, Spiritus Wani Music Park. And I had already seen her play. I'd already played with her. I knew how great she was. Yeah. And it just was such, she's such a force. She is such a force, and her force is super strong right now, the strongest it's ever been. We just had her teaching at Roots Rock Revival, our music camp up in the Catskills, and she just blasted us. So, uh, yeah, she's tuned into that frequency that we're all about on this podcast, and she's dialed right in, so enjoy. Yeah, everybody. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you, Nikki, for joining, and uh Thank you to the Osiris Network for having us as part of the family. Go to OsirisPod.com and uh, check out all the amazing other podcasts that are on the network. And uh, also, of course, we are sponsored by the great Jerry Garcia. Garcia handpicked cannabis. Uh, If it's available in your area, I recommend it as much as I could. Uh, GarciaHandpick.com. Incredible product. Incredible packaging. Um, quality top to bottom and uh, check us out. Speaking of quality top to bottom, patreon.com forward slash comes a time pod. Uh, Eric's over there working his wizardry and uh, we've got some amazing uh, wormholes for you to hang out in extra episode each week. And we've got some big plans for the listeners. O'Teal's back from tour. He's 
got a new puppy. He's got all new energy in there. And uh, we've got some great plans for you listeners. So uh, stay tuned and um, enjoy and stay safe and stay happy if you can. Most importantly, right? Stay happy. Yeah, Nikki. Yes. So we were just talking about the Zoom world, and you were saying you do. Yeah, you I were do. doing the Zoom. To, I used to do like a Zoom. I guess you call it a webcast, right? Sure. Um, and I did it uh, every Monday with one of my best friends in the world, Caddy Rodriguez, and she was the tenor saxophone player in the Beyonce band, nice. and uh, we called it Strange Fruit. And the way that it started out was, yo, let's just like get online and and talk about music and like, you know, give nuggets to, you know, people that are coming up and like trying to make it in the music business world and all of that stuff. And then George Floyd was killed and then it completely took a left turn, you know, and became about uh, social justice and really just. Uh, kind of educating ourselves and other people at the same time, you know, just like sharing information, like, do you know this book? Have you read this book? Like, do you know about these laws? Do you know what's going on in China? You know, like, yeah. And just doing more and more research about really like everything that's happening, you know, and current events and all kinds of stuff, more, mostly history though. So, uh, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. And then, of course, you know, we kind of got back to some sort of uh, schedule where we we were not in our house every day. <laughs> so then, you know, it mm. kind of stopped. So I'm assuming this, the name of the podcast comes from that Billie Holiday song for people that don't know. Yeah, called Strange really Fruit. Know, yeah, but also just like, yeah, it kind of has a double entendre. Like, you know, we are strange fruit like in the music business yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. fits right into the dented cans uh you know analogy. what i mean just yeah. like first off being a female in the business also being uh, a person of color and gay and like all the things i have all the strikes against me. <laughs> You're checking all the boxes. <laughs> I checked all the boxes you know <laughs> well you know for people that might not know who you are I think it's such a cool story, especially for me, because my story with you begins when, were you a teenager when we met at the Middle East? Still, Yeah, I was in college, so that was probably like 18. Okay, so this teenage girl comes up to me, young Nikki, you actually don't look a day older, (laughs) honestly. (laughs) So it has that clean living, you know? (laughs) which is one of the themes we want to talk about today is what you hit on so many of the themes that we love in this show which i'm so glad to have you but you know nikki has this glint in her eye that everyone can see and she walks him she goes you know i'm gonna play with you one day and it just went all the way in and i was like i believe you it's your name and we did we ended up playing a bunch probably my favorite one of my top Three favorite things I've ever done on this planet with Kofi was with you at that Earth, Wind, and Fire tribute yeah. in um, in New that Orleans. Was, 
at oh, Jazz wow. Fest. That was my top three things <laughs> that yeah. I've ever done, ever. <laughs> ever. <laughs> Period. Ever. I yeah. mean, Lifetime Achievement Award, Grammy, whatever right anyway she comes up to me and that's how our story begins and now at this this is how did you get from there to well just say beyonce yeah what from that you know much less all the way to here just uh honestly uh a lot of belief and determination you know dreams come true yeah you know and people still nowadays don't realize like the power in their words you know whatever you say is what will happen and that also includes what you can or cannot do you know Mm. people always say oh i can't do that yeah you can't do it because you just said you couldn't you know what i mean it's it's like it's as simple as that i know it doesn't seem like it but it is no, it is. Henry Ford, as huge of a fucking racist as he was, he said, whether you think you can or you think you're ca- you can't, you're right. You're right. And that's it. That's mm. it. Yeah. Was so, there a lot, like, so where did you grow up? Where, like, what area? So I grew up in Montgomery County, Maryland um, oh, until we I was 12, 13. And then I moved to Raleigh, North Carolina, where I went. Wow. Uh, that's where I went to high school all four years. Mm. And then I went to Berkeley. Okay, mm. let me stop you real quick. Because <laughs> yeah. I grew up in D.C., Montgomery County, Maryland. It's I have a right bunch of friends. Right? Yeah. Okay. You're female, of color, Gay. I don't know if you knew you were gay in high school yet or not, but then you go to Raleigh, North Carolina. That had to be a little bit of a shift. It was. Right? It was culture shock. It really was. Because when I got to high school, uh, the school that I went to uh, is called Southeast Raleigh High School Center for Accelerated Studies in Math, Science, and Technology. That's <laughs> oh, <be>. that school. <laughs> the entire high school, right? <laughs> so it was just Southeast Raleigh High. Okay. Um, they started a new program. Uh, when I attended that school, it was the first year that the school was opening, but it was a busing program. Yeah. We need some people of color. Busing kids. They were like busing white kids from these outer neighborhoods and like busing um, black kids from like this ghetto to the school. Mm. Right. So it literally was just, I think there were like three uh, Chinese people in the school and like three Indian kids in the entire school. Wow. In wow. the entire school. Everyone else was black and white. And like, that was it. It was like the black people hung out and then the white people hung out. And I got there and I was like, what is going on? What is happening here? Because, uh, it like it, my, my eight, eighth year birthday party, I had like my best friends are like this Jewish kid, you know, this Filipino girl and like all, all I had all all nationalities. They were all my friends. Oh, mm-hmm. you know, when I got there and didn't see like just saw like the lack of diversity, I was like, whoa. And then like some of my black friends were like, why are you hanging out with that dude over there? That white dude, you know, and I'm like, because he's my friend. I don't know nice. <laughs> how to explain that, you know. Yeah. Uh, but well, yeah, DC I mean, is very international like that. Like, there's just a lot. Not that yeah. there's no segregation, natural 
yeah, you know, birds of a flip, feather flock feather, together yep. going on. But there's a lot more of just there's a lot greater chance. Yeah, I mean, band definitely was uh, it was a safe haven, I would say, you know, because there was a mixture, mm-hmm. you know, uh, of the black and white kids, you know, um, so like, you know, my best friends were the were the people in the drum line, of course, you know, and like one of them uh was. He introduced me. Actually, he played me in th- uh, in th- utero. <laughs> he played me in <laughs> utero. <laughs> you know, nice. and like so, he yeah. played me some Marilyn Manson, and you know, when I was in high school and stuff. And uh, yeah, I mean, I obviously I got all the R and B too. You know, from all my black friends, but that was really like how it was. Were you playing before before high school? Were you? Did yeah. you? Yeah. So I, you... I I grew up like I grew up playing in church, you know. Like I started, I started pulling pots and pans out of the cupboard when I was two, <laughs> and then you know my mom and my dad were kind of like, okay, we got this <laughs> little person that likes beating on stuff. I guess we'll <laughs> like get her a little a drum set. This uh, I got a Rice Krispies drum set like you get with when you send in 40 upcs <laughs> i got one of those yeah. i'll send you guys a picture i would so love to see like that i up, had a you know i had a muppet Please. babies i had a muppet babies drum set when i was a kid that had animal on the bass drum oh, picture yeah. of animal that's awesome yeah, i want the neat. drum line uh drum line pictures too if you have the hat and the oh yeah they're somewhere <laughs> they are somewhere pretty please oh yeah <laughs> So then you out. go for, you go from there to Boston and you go to Berkeley. I, that I'm was guessing, again another culture shock. <laughs> uh, in what way? A good way, a bad way, or everything? Yeah, I mean, I guess probably both. Uh, Boston's probably one of the like most racist cities in the world, but like people don't really know about it, you know, because yep. uh, it's not really widely talked about. Uh, but. I definitely experienced it there. I mean, like I have a love hate relationship with Boston because like the people, the people that are like my best friends in the world I met there, you know, I met at school and just in Boston at Wally's, you know, like that's where I met Nate, you know, I met Nate playing at Wally's, you know? Um, And yeah, I mean, I, I remember, uh, my girlfriend got me this book and it was just like, you know, the history of Boston. And it was like every city, every town, every street is like all slave owners, you know, (laughs) Roxbury, Dorchester, like Faneuil Hall, like all of it, you know, which Mm. is kind of like, okay, those are the people that owned everything. So it makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) I had a friend, we've talked about that on this podcast because, you know, I lived in Birmingham, Alabama, for 16 years, well, wow. 18, but 16 with a short blonde who's my ex-wife. And I never had a problem. But wow. I, my my friend, uh, Barry Thomas, uh, he like, got really good at martial arts because he got his butt beat the first day or got into an altercation. First day he moved to Boston. And he was like, <laughs> wow. dude, this is the most – and he became a martial artist just out of necessity, basically. Yeah. And I've always heard – I joke that, you know, the white people don't like other white people in Boston. Like, 
Italian yeah. and Irish, <laughs> and you know, like it's no, like, totally. No, <laughs> it's more like we the sober them, and the drunk. I think are probably yeah, yeah, massholes on yeah. the highway. Yeah, drive on any highway in New England, and if you see a Massachusetts plate, you know to give two car length distance <laughs> on either side because they will cut you off. They will do all types of yeah, massholes. That's a real thing. Yeah, but you know what? I learned how to drive in Boston. <laughs> and you're probably a great driver. I'm aggressive like enough. The greatest driver but... you will ever meet. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like to drive? Oh, I love driving. Yeah, yeah, you have to be offensive and defensive at the same time. You know, you got to play both sides. Like, oh, so you're go. not you're, you're not uh, uncomfortable driving in New York. Oh no, like, uh, yeah. I mean, I lived in New York for <laughs> almost 15 years. So, where'd you, know, you live in New York? Well, I started out in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Pre-gentrification? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now oh, it's it was, like, because it's like out of this world expensive now. Dude, it was crazy. I mean, I watched it all happen because wow. like I was there. When I moved there, I moved into this like commercial building. Like there was a, a guy that made hand drums like right next to us. And then like underneath us was a bakery. It was uh-huh. awesome. It was like, uh, it was an amazing loft. Actually, Dave Bayless uh, was my roommate, the uh, bass player in Pimps. uh, We went to, we went to Berkeley together as well. Um, But we had this like 2,500 square foot loft and we had like six rooms. They built rooms in there. We had an organ in there. I had my drums like in my bedroom because my bedroom was that big that I could have (laughs) an entire band come in there and play. Wow. (laughs) Like it was, it was, it was fun, but yeah. And still, and still affordable. Yeah. But now it's, I mean, it's insane. You know, like the, the Starbucks went up. It was like, that was it. That was it. That was it. (laughs) That's the sign. the neighborhood. Things are changing. I do have a, I have a bias against some things and Starbucks is one of them. (laughs) Walmart, Starbucks and. Yeah. But I mean, so when you, you lived in Williamsburg, did you end up, like, uh, did you stay in Brooklyn or did you move over to Manhattan eventually? No, or? I, I actually moved to Jersey and I was in Jersey for a oh, while. Well, you picked and two great, two great states in the Northeast, yeah, you Massachusetts know it's, and New it's Jersey. It's funny because Jersey, Jersey's awesome, man. Like yeah, yeah. people don't really know. It's also kind of like Florida, you know, it's like people talk so much shit about Jersey because they only saw that show Jersey Shore. I'm like, you've never <laughs> yeah. even been to New Jersey. You know, they're like, you live in the armpit of America. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, dude, it's fine. You you do not have to know. You don't have to like it. I loved it. It was great. Literally right around the corner. I could get whatever I wanted on Route 22. Mm. You know, I could go buy some tile. I could go buy a car. <laughs> I get groceries, you know, I got get clothes, buy a new phone, like whatever. All yeah. within like a two mile radius. <laughs> I that didn't realize that tri-state area of like everything that surrounds New York City, you know, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Massachusetts, like all that area. It just, yeah, you can get anything you want and you can get into the city in an hour or two or Boston yeah. in a couple, you know, and it's, it's, yeah. It has its yeah, I was pros like and cons. Thirty minutes for sure. from the city, and and if I lived in the city, like if I lived in the Bronx or like Queens, it would take me even longer to get into the city. Mm. Totally, you know? I hear you. 
I hear you. I do it all the time. So it was great. I had space, front yard, backyard, laundry, parking spots, you know, like yeah, an actual life in my basement. Vance Power would come and rehearse in the basement. I had a place to park the van in the trailer. It was, yeah. it was great. And then I was in the city in a half hour. You know, I could take what? the train or the bus or I could drive. Parts of it are beautiful, too, because I remember being we when I was with the Almond Brothers, we we stayed. I wish I could remember the name of the town. It's a little town. It's just because of where we were playing, and uh, I remember it's so beautiful. And I was like, "Where are we?" Because you know, I just woke up, mm-hmm. and they were yeah. like, "We're in New Jersey." And I was like, "This is New Jersey." Mm-hmm. And then I saw the license plate Garden State, and that yeah. part that I was in was lush. Is how mm-hmm. I would describe it. And I was like, yeah. "Oh, this is why they call it the Garden State." I just saw like the smelly industrial, you know, yeah, when, you're on 95, when you're yeah. on 95 and you're driving into the city and there's that yeah. like that post post apocalyptic Terminator two like silo, <laughs> the whole electric yeah. grid that like keeps. Yeah, that's and it smells I like burning wires and stuff. We would be yeah. uh, we were uh, living in D.C. and we drive up to New York. And I remember I'd be asleep in the car and the smell would wake me up. I'm like, oh, yep. he must be getting close to grandma's. Yep. <laughs> you know, it's like, totally. <laughs> Everywhere's got their beautiful parts and their and their yeah. parts for sure. But it's so like when the you were we when you were with, um, I want to go back to like how you got this gig with Beyonce, just for the because a lot of people, I, it's hard to tell people sometimes, like. You just got to believe in yourself and you just yeah, got totally. you know, and they're like, man, I don't want to hear like, that that's shit. That's cool. Like, you know? Know? <laughs> Tell me what really happened, you know, but sometimes, yeah, totally. you know, no, but so it, is this it, when it, you were, it's still in Boston when yeah, this came it, about? Yeah. So I basically, what happened is I had a terrible experience at a wedding. Okay. I played a wedding at Abraham Lincoln's summer home. Okay. And uh, I was in a I was in a band called Felix Brown. Shout out to those guys. Uh, but we were like a you know a wedding band, and we would play down at Faneuil Hall. We were like kind of like a party band, uh, cover band, and played this wedding for these rich people, and we were just like the help, you know, yeah. like they set us up like on the ramp to the kitchen. Like, that's where we ate dinner. Like, the table was sideways like this. And, you know, they bring us out, like, three slices of, you know, rare steak and, like, a potato and three carrots. And I was like, cool. You know, like, this is, this is what we're worth, you know? And I vowed. I was like, this is it. It's the last wedding I'm ever playing. I quit, like, right then. I mean, I finished the gig. But I told them, I was like, this is this is it. This is my last one. Because I had a bunch of experiences where it just, like, wasn't cool. You know, it was like, it was the 1930s. You know, you're black, you're a musician, you come in through the kitchen, you own the back door, you load your shit in. We do not see you unless yeah. you're on stage. You know, and, like, there were specific things in the contracts, you know, that's like, you can't walk around, you can't, you know, be in cocktail hour and like all this stuff, you know? So we actually had one white dude in the band. <laughs> it, was a, it was Andy, that's my homie. But he would like, 
you know, you got to like joke and like make light of this stuff because you go through this shit every day, you know. So this dude would like he would walk around. He would go to cocktail hour <laughs> and like eat shrimp and drink beer and stuff. And he would literally be like laughing at us, you know, like, <laughs> look what I can do. I can blend in because I'm white, you know. <laughs> And I know for like some people they'd be like, Man, that's really dark. But I mean, you know, that's that's like that's that's what it was, you know. So, so when you quit though, is that can I ask like was that your source of income at the time? Yeah. Was yeah, that your was only my, source? It was my source of income at the time because I left I left Berkeley because I figured out that um I didn't need a piece of paper to play sure. and to get paid. Yeah, because I don't know how old I was, 20, 21, you know, I was making, I was making at least like 500 bucks a wedding, you know, playing like two or three of those a week. Mm. That's good money for, for a young musician. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I could do this. It's only going to go up from here. So, you right. know, I'm, I'm paying out the ass, you know, to like, not even really go to class you know, uh, because I was I was gigging. I was I was gigging. Yeah. I figured it out. I was like, all right, I don't need to do this. So when I quit, though. God was like, go to New York. Mm. Like, it was kind of like clear as day, just like go to New York. And I was like, OK, so I literally wow. I quit. I packed up all my stuff and I moved to New York like December 19th. Who moves uh. in? No, no <laughs> December nineteenth, yeah. you know. No. So just straight revelation. Straight revelation. D December nineteenth, two thousand five. Wow. I moved to New York, and when I got my room, like I gave them my rent, and I was like, okay, wait, well, what am I gonna do now? <laughs> you know, like that's I didn't very really intimidating. That's know anybody extremely like, intimidating city I, to not. I know knew anybody. like a couple of people in the city. Like I knew Mark Kelly, you know, and like a couple of. Berkeley musicians here and there. Um Kraz was there, you know, so like I used to go <sighs> hang out at his house almost every day for like six months. I was at his crib, we were making beats, doing whatever, eating, smoking, you know <laughs> <laughs> watching TV, just hanging. Um but yeah, I you know, went there and I was just kind of like, okay, I don't know what I'm going to do now because I don't have any gigs down here. All my gigs are up north. So I continued to drive up north and, and play gigs, you know, with the Sam Kinninger band. And, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. I was freelancing, doing some other stuff too. And um, basically, people sent me messages on MySpace uh and we're like yo there's an open call for Beyonce like you have to go you know and I honestly thought that it was like uh, a gimmick you know like she would hire us for like the promotional tour for like two months and then she'd get her regular band mm. you know because this was an all-girl band because right. yeah, it is an all-girl band and she actually did do something like that um on her first record she i remember seeing her on it was like one of those tv shows but she had like sheila e was playing drums yeah. and like ron i think ron smith was playing bass oh, I love her. she had like you know she had a, an all-female band but it was like you know the chicks 
And I remember seeing that, but then they were gone, like right after that. You know what I mean? So I thought it was going to be something like that. But I went, um, I didn't have, I had like 50 bucks in my pocket. Like legit, I had 50 bucks in my pocket. I was supposed to go to uh, Nantucket to play at the chicken box. <laughs> okay. Uh, and it was like, you know, it was a two day gig. You know, it's like Monday and Tuesday. You know, you spend the night because you got to take a ferry to mm. get over there. And I was like, the audition was on Monday. So it was like, if I miss Monday, I'm going to miss Tuesday too. And it was like 400 bucks, you know, it's like, I didn't go get this money, you know, but, um, I went, I went to the audition. I was like, I'll figure it out. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, I didn't, I didn't think that I got the gig or anything because I just sat around for like a week. You know, I hung out with uh, my best friend, Adam Joseph. He fed me that week because I only had, you know, Mm. I only had like 50 bucks, so he fed me that week. I slept on his couch. It was awesome. And uh, yeah, that Friday, they called me and was like, congratulations, you've been selected to come back. You know, <laughs> so it was another audition process. All in New York, right? All in New York. Yeah, at okay. Sony Studios. Mm-hmm. So then um, I went the that Friday. Well, Saturday. It was a Saturday. And we were in there for like 10 hours or something. And they were just bringing in different combinations of uh, musicians, you know, like this bass player with this keyboardist and this bassist. And they did that for like 10 hours. And then um, they dwindled the group down maybe to like 50. And we're like, we can't decide. You guys have to come back tomorrow. So then we went back the next day on the Sunday and kind of like did the same thing. You know, it was a little less time, but we did the same thing and they couldn't decide between me and KT. So like they took both of us, you know, that's how like it it was two drummers because they were just like, we we can't figure it out. So we'll just, (laughs) we'll just take them both, you know, but that was, uh, it was, it was a great day because, uh, I remember when Rie came in. So Rie, the keyboard player, she was playing with Eric Benet. So she missed Saturday. And she thought like, oh no, like I'm going to miss this gig. But they let her come on Sunday. And she came on Sunday and she walked in and I was like, oh, it's Rie. Because like we went to school together, you know. And I knew I was like, oh, she's bad. Like (laughs) she has to get this gig. But man, she came in and like we connected on something on a solo or something, and yeah, they were like all going nuts, and and that's kind of like, you know, how it happened, really. Wow, that is how it happened, and it was on Father's Day. So I called my dad, and I was like, I got the gig, Mm. and he's like, No, you didn't. I was like, No, I got the gig. He's like, No, you didn't. No, you didn't. I'm like, No, for (laughs) real, I got the gig, and he was like. He like, he like screamed like a little girl. And he was like, oh my God, I can't believe it. You got the gig. You got the gig. That's great. <laughs> because he actually, so he had came, he came to visit me in New York, like right after I moved there. And I'm thankful for Mark Kelly because my dad was just really worried. He was just like, what are you yeah. doing? Like, what are you doing with your life? You dropped out of school. You came to New York. 
Like you don't have any money. Like you're in New York City. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. what are you doing? And and Mark, we went to see him at the the zinc bar. And Mark looked at my dad and like put his hand on his back and was like, "She's gonna be fine. Like, don't worry <laughs> about it." You know, like I know wow. you don't see what's happening or what's going on, but like she's gonna be okay. You know. And then a couple months later, I got the gig. Wow. That's well, you amazing. know, in New York, I mean, there are two things there that you said that are super important. It's having someone like Mark where you can even go like, if they believe in me, then I should believe in myself, right? Yeah. Because that's scary as hell, $50 in your wallet and that's it. And also New York is always good at showing you who you are one step away from becoming. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you, you walk around New York and you're like, okay, I'm somehow figuring out how to eat and how to perform and whatever. And you turn the corner and there's someone that's not eating and you're like, yeah. okay, I'm doing all right. Like we talked about last night, O'Teal, you know, it's like, we're, yeah. we're good. We're good. Yeah. You know, New York's you know, good at that. There's a couple things that I want to backtrack now because I, I love, I didn't know this story <laughs> of, of you, but <clears throat> you know, I said before, one of the reasons I want to have you on is because I know you're into so many of the themes that we cover, spirituality being a big one. Mm-hmm. So I understand how you would could trust a revelation like that because of your church background. Mm-hmm. Right. Because other people might go, you're crazy. Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah. Totally. But they would. Yeah. When you know, <laughs> you know. But what I'm interested in is. And I don't know when being gay became like when you realize it and how mm-hmm. much time it took to come out, all that stuff. But in regards to church, like how did that work together or did it? Were they separate times or? Yeah. Oh, no. Like, yeah, I was I was I grew up in church, you yeah. know, but I mean, I definitely <laughs> knew like early on, you know, <laughs> Well, when you say early on, like what? Because I've asked some gay friends of mine. One of them told me five years old. Yeah, I mean, I must I was, have been like, I don't know, eight or nine or something yeah. like that. Or it's just like, I'm attracted to women. You know yeah. what I mean? I mean, I'm attracted to men too. Like, but, you know, that was more like, oh, whoa. Like, you know, that was, it, it was okay for me to be attracted to men because that's how it's supposed to be, you know? Mm. But, like, yeah. being attracted to women is, like, no, no way, you know? Especially um, in black so, church, right? Well, I yeah, can't but, say it's yeah, all yeah. the same, but... Yeah, I mean, it's definitely definitely a struggle for, for a long time, you know? Um, even being comfortable, like, just saying it, you know, in an interview or out loud, you What know? about to your parents? Yeah, I mean, well, I told I told them early when I was having feelings, you know? And it was like, you know, I'm going to pray for you and, you know, I'm going to oh. get this demon out of you. They still pray for me. Are you an only child? I am an only child. So, but obviously, even if they're praying for you to not be gay, they haven't, haven't ostracized you, right? No, they have not ostracized me because I am their child. You know, it's, and your dad it's sounds awesome. Yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely people that have experienced that, which is really, really heartbreaking and sad. You know, um, but yeah, my my parents are great. They love me for who I am. 
Well, I'm just glad for that so that it didn't sour your uh, spiritual <coughs> connection. Because well, it does I mean, for a lot of people. They throw the whole thing out, you know. They do throw the whole thing out. And I had to, like, really search and dig deep and understand, you know, um, that it you, you don't you don't throw the whole thing out, you know, because... I mean, I feel like the best way that I can explain it to people or try to anyway is like religion is man-made. Spirituality is not, you know, like we you have a spirit whether you like believe you do or not. Right. You know what I'm saying? And like you can call God whatever you want, you know, like God, I feel like is just it's a name that you know the the like most people use but it could be mother earth or like the the energy that surrounds us or whatever you know yeah. it's just like that's the name that we've given uh to that being source mm. what have you uh but it took me a long time to understand that religion is kind of it's it's made to to separate and alienate and all of those things, you know. But if you actually study different kinds, different types, you know, like I went to a uh, I was I went to a, a Korean Buddhist temple for probably like three years when I when I was living in Jersey, and everything that they said, everything that they taught, I was like, there's nothing wrong with this. But if you're raised in church, you're taught that it's sacrilege and that it's, you know, you're bowing to false and idol gods and all of this. And I'm like, I, I went there and experienced it for myself and was like, yeah. they're not saying anything wrong. That's awesome. There is nothing wrong with <laughs> what is going on here, you know, but I feel like that's just kind of like people had to experience that for themselves. You know, it's almost the um, luck of the draw based on their personality type because my dad chucked the whole thing. My parents were both raised Catholic in New York. <clears throat> my dad chucked the whole thing. My mom just chucked the organized part. Yeah. So, she, you know, she obviously – but it was a feeling, you know. Yeah. It, it's a theme I always want to go back to because I've I had such long debates with people who say they're atheists. I don't really believe they are. Right, right. The the the, the – the gold shifts, the goalpost shifts, you know? So my yeah. whole thing is like, we and Mike were talking about this last night, like, does it matter or does it not matter? Like, you say, I don't believe in anything that can't be scientifically proven. Okay. Well, love is one of those things. So if I kill someone you love on a whim, does it not matter? Now, they say, I know, they say it does matter, and I say, well, how can you, if you can't prove it scientifically, right. yeah. then what are you left? They say, well, because I know it. And I'm like, oh, well, yeah. well you, don't there you, go. Say, you don't get yeah. to say that. Yeah. Well, like, so that, that means now that you're not really a scientific materialist, so I can be specific about yeah, this. Yeah, be specific. Because uh, I think semantics is everything hanging us up. But, you know, <laughs> so much of what you and Ent Power – deal with is that it does matter in all these different ways and here's how and here's why thanks for listening we'll be right back after this
Hey there, Osiris listeners. I wanted to tell you about our friends over at Smart Wool. For more than 25 years, Smart Wool has been making merino wool socks and apparel designed to keep you comfortable. Because they want to help you play, laugh, and explore in the outdoors with every thread they knit and every step you take. Because they believe that comfort sharpens focus and lets you perform beyond your limits. They're here to help you feel good. Now, it's up to you how far you will go. Take 15% off of your first order at smartwool.com. Smartwool. Go far, feel good. What's up, everyone? I'm Mike. And I'm O'Teal. And these are our Sunset Lake CBD gummies that are almost gone. Sunset Lake CBD is a farmer-owned business that ships CBD products directly from their farm to your door. For years, Sunset Lake was a Vermont dairy farm producing milk for Ben & Jerry's ice cream. In 2018, they diversified and started growing hemp for CBD. And with a product for everyone, they offer pre-rolls, hemp cigars, and hemp flowers, as well as tinctures, gummies, and CBD crafted coffee to help with stress, aches, and pains. Sunset Lake CBD saves you money by shipping high-quality CBD products directly from their farm to your door. Want to know what I've been using a lot of, O'Teal? This salve with the arnica uh, yeah. on, my, on my old bones. You get back from a show and you got tore ankle, rub a little bit of this on there. You're ready to dance the next day. And you know, S- Sunset Lake uh, Comes a Time listeners can visit sunsetlakecbd.com and use promo code TIME for 20% off of their purchase. That's sunsetlakecbd.com, promo code TIME. And tell them we sent you. Thanks for listening. There's so much power in saying, I don't know. And like admitting, I don't know everything. And I think that a lot of when you're a kid and you're brought up, forced into something and they say this, it, like you just said, you're bowing to a false, you know, like, no, I'm not. I actually went and I listened to it and it's the same t- like foundation that, yeah. that we have. Yet yep. they're not saying you're wrong. You're saying yep. they're wrong. So I think that the natural instinct is to kind of push back because I don't want to be forced to th- have to think someone is wrong because they're not like in yeah. the same four walls as me right. or whatever, you know? Yeah. And and it, that's – we talked a lot last night too about how it's who maybe ruined it for you growing up. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean by that? Like – music could have been ruined for you with, with, with a bad drum teacher. You know what I mean? Oh, like, absolutely. Jazz was ruined for me for a while because of that. Really? Absolutely. How? And like, uh, just, man, I had this dude, he just did me dirty, you know? And just like, instead of teaching, just like embarrassing Yes. I had an English teacher that did that. that and I, I was mean, like, I was like, fuck this. Fuck your jazz. I don't need this shit. I'm about to go play some punk. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, yeah. you know, the older I get, I'm like, man, I really need to study some jazz. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you can't know? let that guy ruin it for you. See, that's yeah, the thing. That's ruin it for me. Same I here, can't. though. I think I about that. Is, it's incredible. It's amazing. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like for a long time, I was just like, nope, not doing it. 
It's the, the whole problem I always had with religion was that thing of like, you can't admit that you, your yeah, way may yeah. not be the only way. Absolutely. I can't take that. I can't take yeah, that. Yeah, but the, here's what I can't stand is that not everybody, uh, there's every, there's people in every religion that are not that way. Yeah, exactly. So we can't throw all those people no. out because, you know. You're right. And the thing oh, I've said, true. the thing I've said is that like, you know, because Nikki, you said it just like you're taught in school and like, you know, catechism and whatever, like Sunday school yeah. is like, if you don't believe in the Roman Catholic way of doing things, then you're wrong. And I'm like, there's a guy somewhere remote living in a born and raised and dies in a place that like in, in a, an area that maybe he never heard this story. So he goes to hell because what if he spent his entire life helping people? What if he spent his entire life dedicated to others? He goes to, he goes, well, and they go, well, sorry, you never, that's a, that's a misreading of the Bible because Paul talks about that very thing. What about someone who has a, he goes, well, they still have a conscience and that came from God. Right. So, so that's what I'm saying. A lot of these people that misuse it, they know they're lying. They have read it. They know that that's not true. Yeah. You know? It's, it's so interesting. <laughs> like, because, yeah, I mean, I know this because I come from it. Yeah. Just what people decide to omit. Exactly. And that's, uh, boy, CNN, MSNBC, Fox. Because I said so. Right? Lies of omission. Yeah. So Lies now you've you've changed. Like when you set the context and you frame it, and then you omit this and that, and that's like, yeah. See, Jesus says we should all be slaves. That's what they told the slaves, right? <laughs> you know, which exactly. he did say, but he said everybody should be a slave to one another. So there's no master slave relation. We're all right. serving exactly. each other. We're all serving each other, and that is that's the other thing about. Uh, religion in general is that it has it has been weaponized before Mm -hmm. which is why like i really don't you know get into get into that you know it's like i will take this from here and this from here here because like that's what it is you know so i like that being beholden to like this one thing that i know has like destroyed my people you know, uh, that's that's something that um, I'm really thankful for uh, as it relates to the nth power is that we all come from uh, religious, different religious backgrounds. Ah, that's why it's so. Uh, OK, like uh, Nigel is Muslim, you know, um, I don't know if he still practices or whatever, but that's how he was raised. You know, uh, Nate uh, used to uh, practice Buddhism, you know, Nick um catholicism uh me you know christian i was raised i was raised in church um and weedy you know has a completely different uh, stuff is deep background you Mm. know all the african yeah yeah you know so like when we all would like get together and like talk about certain ideas and what have you we all come from a different place from a religious standpoint, we come from a different place. But when we talk and, and put our heads together, it's it's spirituality. It's it's mm. all of those things. So it's like 
you have something from here, from here, from here, from here, from here. And then it's like, oh, guys, you know, like your thing says this, my thing says that. Like, wait, hold on. You know, mm-hmm. time out. <laughs> We're all talking about the same shit. What a great model for society, huh? <laughs> well, that's, that's what uh, America... Yep. The great it's experiment. supposed to be on paper. but uh, yeah, It's supposed to be on paper. Right. <laughs> but I, I always look at it like a buffet. Like, you know, if you have an international buffet and this is the chicken row. Now, you got Korean chicken. You got fried chicken. You got yep. Indian. Chicken pie. You got, yeah, Mexican. Like, yep. it's all chicken. It's all, all different. Chicken. It's all chicken. But Some of them, all th- these three all use cumin in different ways. Yeah, But, you know, like, <laughs> I just, so I'm like that. When I read the Bhagavad Gita, I was like, wow, so much of this sounds like the New Testament and mm-hmm. parts of the old. And then the yeah. Tao, this, the book of the Tao, I just, that's the one I go back to more than anything uh, lately. But and you just see, you just see these things. And to me, that, that strengthens me, mm-hmm. you know. And, and when something happens, like you do get something in your instance, go to New York now. <laughs> it's like, you got paid. Oh, yeah. And then yeah. you pack all your shit. See, Dude, this is what I'm talking about. I'm talking about just like, you know, oh, I look at it this way and that and semantics and blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah. no, I heard a voice and I packed all my shit. And yeah. because of that, you know. Well, that's, yeah, going back to what you were talking about, that's a hardcore moment in your life where you go, I'm quitting this thing that I hate because I'm in this position, you know, like even just the example of like being on that like slanted and the table's tipped and you're, you know, like it it sounds atrocious. And then you're like, but it is the thing that's keeping the food in your belly and your lights on. But you go, no, I'm leaving it. I'm quitting. And then to go with no money, such a scary place with no money. You have to have some sense that like, if you believe in nothing, that's a hard move, you know, like you just stay (laughs) in Boston and just, you know what I mean? Like that's, you got to have faith in at least yourself, which sometimes is the hardest thing. Yeah. Well, you wouldn't have even trusted the, the intuition that told you to do it. Right. Yeah. If you didn't believe. So in, in 2021, in the fall, going into the winter as we are here, and the world is kind of matched up with where we are going into this kind of cold closing up thing again, and ev- everything is shit still. Um, <laughs> when you take your, you know, the, the, the stories and the lessons and the belief that you have and the faith and the people that you surround yourself with, like, what do you pull for? What do you pull like strength from at this point? You know what I mean? Like when you think about the, you know, just where we are as a, as a culture and as a society, like Man, you personally, yeah, that's, a, that's a good question because I mean, really, I look for it every day, you know, and it could be like, it could be small gestures. It could be like, something I see, you know, somebody helping somebody out with a flat tire or whatever, you know, like it's that it's music, music, like really gives me hope, you know, it saved me. Me too. (laughs) It saved a lot of people. Yeah. And it continues to save. So 
there's that, you know, really just like focusing on spreading the message far and wide because like there's a lot of work to do and we can do it. We absolutely can do it. We just have to uh, focus and band together in order to make positive change. I always feel like you have so much energy you put towards that. It puts me to, it makes me feel guilty about myself. But <laughs> probably before I got the podcast, because now with the podcast, yeah, I have a way to broadcast. You know, yeah, but, you have a way. You're doing it. But I still marvel at you, you know, after being on a and on big stages and playing these huge places with Beyonce, and then you get in the van and you got to drive twelve hundred miles now with its power to to play little places. But I know I never think, oh, I wonder if she's wishes she could be back on the big stage because you're such a you you have such a sense of purpose to yeah. spread. Like a mission, a sense yeah. of mission. I mean, you're like every, a missionary. I mean, yeah. Every you guys every, are. every stage is the big stage. Yeah, yeah, totally. Because I never know who is being affected by yeah. it, really. Mm -hmm. And we've had a couple of instances where people came up to us and said, told us, this one guy. We were in Nashville. And this guy tells me and Nick, we're like standing together. And he's like, um, I tried to kill myself a couple weeks ago. And I put your album on while I was trying to commit suicide. And <laughs> Nick immediately is just like, man, you going to try and kill yourself to our music? Like, <laughs> he's like, he's like, what? Like, you know. Good yeah. luck with I mean, that. <laughs> and wow. he said that, like, he, he you know, rolled the window down, put a tube in the, in the exhaust. Put the exhaust through the window, rolled it up, turned on abundance. <laughs> and, okay. Gosh. And then he yeah. he wakes up. He wakes up on Home. The song Home. I don't live here anymore. The key no longer fits in the door. Days turn to night, night turns to day, and it's all the same. And I don't care. I don't care. Wow. Like, I've tried so many times to change. I've hurt so many in my past, so much to blame, you know, remember a home, remember the light, remember the love, remember the dream, remember the fight that you fought to get here. He woke up and that was playing. And he looks and the window is like mysteriously down. Oh, he like God. passed out. For I don't know how long, because home is towards the end of the album. He probably should have been dead. And he woke up and like that was playing, and he was like, "What am I doing?" His window was mysteriously down. Mysteriously, you know. And he came to a show and he like told us that, 
And I was like, oh my god. Like, mm. what? And, and in that moment, I was like, okay. Clearly, like, it may not look like it with ticket sales. It may not look like it in album sales. It may not look like it monetarily, whatever. Who cares? Yeah. That's all it's working. Your mission is being accomplished. It's working. There was another guy that came to see us in Chattanooga. Was it? No, it wasn't Chattanooga. Knoxville. Tennessee, man. Yeah, Tennessee. Came to see us in Knoxville, and he said, I have to tell you a story. I have it on video. It's somewhere. We posted it wow. at some point. Wow. And he said that his mom... It's just him and his mom. His mom like had a, a stroke and went into a coma. And the doctors were like, she's not going to wake up. And even if she does, she's only going to have 20% of her brain. She'll never be able to walk. She won't be able to speak. Like nothing. He goes to the hospital. He plays her our album. Right now, he said, when he got to the chorus, um, celebrate what you've been given. This life is so worth living right now. She opened her eyes. <laughs> Full recovery. Right now. Right now. Right now. She's walking, talking, doing everything. The doctors were like, I don't know. You know Take that science. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? It is science. It is. We forgot. We forgot. It, it is. is. Physics, wow. metaphysics, chemistry, alchemy, astronomy, astrology, right? It's all, you know. Damn. Just left brain, right brain. It is science. It is science. And it works. And we know right. it works. We know it works. They say, well, you can't prove it. But that doesn't change the fact I know it. I can't prove we can't that prove love, it. That love like, exists. We can't prove it. Well, but I mean, you know, to, this, yeah. to them, you know what I mean? <laughs> Tennessee, it's happening. We have to be able to repeat it. or some, yeah. They'll come up with some bullshit. If we're well, dealing yeah. with different criteria. You can't yeah. prove that love exists. But you know you love Whoever you love, you know mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know I mean, what else too? That that <laughs> that guy that you know, the first story you told. You don't need. No one can even begin to assess the amount of courage it took him to even probably go to that show, let alone come up and talk to you afterwards. No, absolutely. He said that too. He's like, I'm shaking. Yeah, you know, wow. but I feel like I have to tell you this. Yeah. Yes, thank you for telling. Yeah, and I was, that. And now you tell us this, and everyone who's listening can hear it, and that's what it's all about. And I think that's the small things. Someone changing the tire, someone, you know, those are the important things. That that's exactly that's all we have right now. I think I love that you said that. It was like the things. It's this just witnessing something good. Remember, I told you a tale last night. Like if I see yeah. someone do something nice, I can't hold. I can't keep it together. Yeah. It's just like, it's, man, just what, what is like, it, it's just, I don't even try crying. Just save me this last tour. So I'm, I'll go ahead and cry. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, for real. 
<laughs> like if you have any if, if if you have any any like inkling or you lean to the empathetic side of it or the or the you know compassionate side of it it's a tough run right now you know so when you do see something you're like oh I'm not alone I don't I'm not the only one that feels like people are people still and it doesn't matter you know what I yeah. mean like that's the thing like my wife works in healthcare and during this pandemic it's just been like I mean you just to see the blatant like selfishness with a lot of people you know yeah. and it and that shit's really just like yeah it just gets old but yeah for every like the yin and yang of it for sure i wow. really am starting to think at least in one major sense and maybe in the dominant sense that heaven and hell is here in this reality because when you think of like we've all i'm sure been to our own you know albeit different levels of hell, but we we all know what that feeling, the feeling of hopelessness, yeah. right? You know, like it's bigger. I, the darkness seems like you can't beat it. Uh, and then, you know, some people are going through real, like I, I was reading the, the Book of Joy with the Dalai Lama, mm. him and Desmond Tutu, you know, and they're talking about, you know, the Chinese were against them, and tortured them and did all kinds of stuff. And they said uh, of the different kinds of torture they experienced, this one was the worst. And they were like forced to cannibalize each other, you know, like someone that had died to to survive, you know. But yet the the monk was like, you know, I have to feel compassion for the guard forcing me to do this. I was like, whoa, dude. Holy shit. That's yeah. some next level shit right there, you know. So the I only say that to talk about the different levels of hell. But that's mm. hell, man. Come on. Come yeah. on. Come on. Like and but you know like Nigel sitting in my lap explaining Pokémon to me or whatever and I just feel I feel like I'm in heaven. Yeah. I do. I feel yeah. I'm like this is real. Yeah. This feeling I is mean, not dude, fake. Marley said it. You know, if you know what life is worth, you look for years on earth. earth. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, get up, stand up. I mean, you we've talked about this a lot, which is like why you know the end power does what it does, and like when we do our tributes, you know, like there's a reason why we do it. Like, every everything that you know, every song that Marley. Yeah, the whalers like ever wrote. Still applicable today. <laughs> Timeless. Yep. You know, like sad. Like we haven't yep. progressed in any way. We're still like fighting this fight. Um but if there was no fight, like what would we be doing? You know, like it's like if there is no struggle, like what what would be? Nothing. I don't know. Yeah. Well, and I that's mean, like yin and yang. Like you have to have yeah the dark with the light. But anyway, you know he he was a prophet. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Sure. And it's like that's the that's the th interesting thing too is like sometimes and and you know to the to the point of like how one religion might not be the right one for you, but the or not even religion like a a teaching 
for me, the whole guilt thing with Catholicism and religion and all that was like, all right, yeah, I get it. I, I'm, I'm always wrong. It's my fault. Like, <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah. But the thing I loved about Buddhism was the first thing you hear is like, all of life is suffering. Mm-hmm. It's saying a lot of the same stuff, but it's just to, to be put in like a different, like a different light is shined on it. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I get that. Okay. So all of life is up. So I'm not the only one that feels like shit, <laughs> you know? And that almost kind of makes you feel like, oh, all right, well, maybe this fight's worth fighting, you know? And that's the yeah. interesting. And then you go, okay, well, once you get a grasp on that, you're like, well, how do I make it less suffering for others, you know? Yeah. And I guess then yeah. that's, if you could do that, then- who cares Which is what exactly what you're... Jesus taught. <laughs> I mean, Which, he basically exactly, yeah, yeah. See, so it's kind of like yeah, right. <laughs> he said yeah. like if everything, if you're walking around feeling like everything's your fault, then that's the opposite of grace. Hmm. It's like you admit that you're not perfect, so it's not like oh, I'm terrible all the time. But you you have you do have to admit that you fall short. But then after that, there's like. The whole that's the whole purpose of grace, which is why it was called good news. Like if it doesn't sound good, it's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> it's period. Because yeah. you can't call it the good news. Right. And it sounds like the worst news ever. You know? <laughs> it's so it's so messed up. But I but and also with the suffering, the 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 exact same thing. Right. First noble truth is suffering. Jesus says, take up your cross. So you give your suffering meaning, right? So you lose your life to save it. You serve yeah. someone else, you lose your life. You become the slave, you lose your life. Not like I take, I give, and in giving, I save it. So now I'm helping other people. You know, it's like, so how they twisted that is just like psychopathic. Sure. <laughs> or I guess sociopathic. Money. Well, yeah, and just like everything else, you know, yeah, it's money. music can be perverted that way, but we Absolutely. don't throw we and don't it throw it been. out. It has been, yeah, and will continue to be. Yep. Right. Yes. You go to the jazz bin, you see Kenny G, and you go, "Well, fuck jazz." <laughs> if you hate Kenny G, <laughs> but it's like, well, what about Coltrane? <laughs> Hold right, on, exactly. like you know, like, <laughs> you know, yeah, you can't throw the whole thing out, you know, can't throw the whole thing out. Because yeah. that's what keeps me, I don't know, like holding on. Plus, I, you get these <laughs> these messages, move to New York right now. Okay. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> How's it feel to be back out on the road real quick before we yeah. – we've, we've been with you for an hour now. We wanna, don't oh, yeah, too much. yeah. It feels Are you great. loving it? Yeah, I'm loving it. It's really amazing uh, to be back out with the Nth Power. Just like – Yeah. You know – like having these moments every day, mm. you know, like Nate and I were talking before we got on here and like, we're both having these like really vivid dreams. Mm-hmm. Like with like, like we started dreaming again, mm-hmm. like vividly, like I thought fully that it happened, but it was a dream. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you know, like I had yeah. a dream, like I called up my homie to like come to this show and I was like, hey man, what are you doing? Like we're playing in Boston on Sunday. Like he come and he's like, oh no, I gotta work. And I was like, okay. And then like Nate's like, did you hit up Bowie? And I was like, yeah. I, he said he had to work. And <laughs> I, it was a dream. I wow. called him up and was like, dude, I just realized that that did not actually happen. <laughs> wow. 
You're getting some good sleep, man. But like <laughs> David eight, he was like, "Didn't I see you? Didn't this?" And I was like, "No." And he's like, "Oh, <laughs> that was a dream." Well, maybe this podcast isn't even really happening. Uh, maybe we're all in Nikki's dream right now, and you're gonna wake <laughs> up, and none of this shit ever happened—the pandemic, none of it. It's all just Nikki's dream. <laughs> yeah, that, would, that would be terrible. <laughs> she was like, "It's going so well." <laughs> so how's it's a good it ending to a bad dream? <laughs> how's it been like with the? Because you know, on our tour, we just had this massive massive amount of money spent trying to keep a tour bubble on you and i'm sure we would only play if it was outdoors like you're doing indoor how do you feel i i experienced a lot of paranoia just trying to stay testing negative right how's that part been for you guys the whole yeah thing? we've been um it's been like honestly like for me personally i like do i can't live in fear Yes. So, like, I am consciously making the decision not to. And at the same time, doing all the things that I know I need to do Mm. to protect myself and the people around me. You know, I'm making wellness cocktails for everyone. You know, Mm. like, we take our oil of oregano. You know, we take our iodine. We take all our our stuff, you know, because it can only help. (laughs) Immune boosting. Yeah, wellness cocktails. That sounds good. Yeah, wellness cocktail. You know, that's like, that is the main thing, you know, and also, you know, just not trying not to be in in close proximity, you know, but washing your hands is like a you know (laughs) the lost concept. (laughs) Like the simplest way to wash their hands, you know. Mike Dillon has a song. It's called Crab Rangoon, and that's it's the lyric in the song. Wash your hands, Smith and Gale. Wash your hands, Smith and Gale. Wash your hands! <laughs> I love it. That's it. So we, you know, today is Kofi's birthday. Oh, shit, really? It is. So we got to talk about it. We got to talk about you and Kofi a little bit. Um, yeah. It snuck up on me. I just got back from tour three days ago, or this is the third day, and yeah. I, my I didn't realize till last night at like ten o'clock when my sister wow. wrote me this thing. Oh, I was like, crazy. "Oh my god, Kofi's yeah, birthday!" So just said it, and I was like, "Oh yeah, the twenty second. Like, I haven't posted anything, you know, and it just like it snuck yeah. up on me. But um, you know, I mentioned the the Earth, Wind, and Fire tribute that we got to do together with Kofi. Tell me your first, like your story with Kofi, you know. You know what's funny is that I was thinking about this the other day. I actually don't remember where we met. Which time, yeah. Or like how we met. It was just like we started playing. Probably in New Orleans, huh? If I had to guess New Orleans... Probably. That was the one time that he was kind of reliably, uh, you know, because he was on tour with TTB all these in Australia yeah. or China or something. Yeah. You know? But yeah. New Orleans is when I would always get to see him like reliably, you know, yeah. at, during so, Jazz Fest. 
Yeah, I guess it was during Jazz Fest. And I don't know, man, like we just like clicked, you know, immediately. Just like, you want to play? Yeah, let's play. <laughs> Kofi's like I'm that. Like, He's a vibe guy. Yeah, he just and I'm likes like, it. you want to play like... these gigs? You know, like, you want to, like, you want to come in the studio? Like, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and yeah. y'all's album is about to drop, which he played keyboards on, right? Yes, he did. Oh, wow. Yes, he did. He, man, you know, obviously I don't have to tell you, but <laughs> such an incredible spirit and just all the things musician yeah but like i feel like who he was just like flowed out of him effortlessly into music like you can hear it you know it's like if nobody knew who he was they could listen to a flute solo and know in two seconds yeah you know exactly who he is and you know he blessed us tremendously and i'm so happy that we finally get get it out we finally get to release it it's going out people are going to hear it it's coming out the 29th a week from today wow a week from its birthday that's awesome yeah i remember when uh nick sent me these tracks you know it was right after mm-hmm. he died like right when he died mm-hmm. and you know i played that song at his funeral the lyrics you guys are like an oracle <laughs> you've saved lives you but it was just the yeah. lyrics hit me so hard because that was like what i would have wanted to say to him and i felt mm-hmm. like that was god saying it to kofi because i knew he heard those lyrics when he played yeah. that song with you yeah you know, so it was like yeah. you always get these breadcrumbs get from em. God if you will follow them. Mm-hmm. It's always like any good parent, you know, and yeah. so that that it's funny you talk about your the effect that your songs have on people because there was a huge mystical. It was so big. I was walking around my house just crying, texting Nick because I could see it all. It, it just gave me clarity. And yeah. it was a great gift to me to help me like release. Uh, it's like everything is okay as as weird as that sounds. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I knew God reached right to him personally, probably a number of times, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, even though that song might have been written towards Nigel <laughs> at the time <laughs> and not Kofi, but you know. <laughs> God will use right. whatever. Like I don't know yeah. who it was written to, yeah. or whatever. maybe to himself. But, um, <laughs> but um, yeah, that was such a huge thing for me, man. Like, I, yeah. and you know, Nigel' first concert was Nth Power, so I just feel like I have just so much connection with you guys, and I'm no, I'm so, definitely, yeah, yeah. We we have a very very strong connection with you as well. I mean, you know, you. For the band, you are like, you know, uh, a huge influence and like, you're my favorite musician, like, period. But, you oh. know, band as well, like, we, we love you so much and, and Kofi too. Like, it's just like an honor and a blessing and like all of those things to 
be able to share uh, spaces and to share ideas and create, you know, Uh, it's really like an honor and a privilege. And man, I mean, you'll, yeah, you're going to hear it. And like, I mean, the rest of it, you know, like, I don't even know if I, I don't know if he's saying you the whole thing. I know he's saying you like a couple of tracks, but I think he sent me a two or three. I I can't wait to hear it. And they, were, they obviously weren't mixed, mastered, all that stuff. So I really, yeah, yeah. I can't and, wait. You know, like going back to like the songs. Like honestly, like I mean, it, it speaks to me, which is crazy. Like I had to. There was a moment where I was like, I need to adhere to my own lyrics. Hmm. Hmm. You know, uh, yeah. we wrote a song a couple years ago called Truth. And it could not ring more true than today with everything that we're going through with the pandemic. You know, and I listened to it. When we played it, when we played the first time at Peach Fest, that was the first time we played in like a year and yeah. four months or something like that. And when we got to Truth, like every lyric that like nick sang i was like (gasps) like oh my god uh (laughs) i'm like is anybody else hearing this (laughs) no like we wrote it years ago you know yeah like gil said the revolution will be televised these days i start to see it with my own eyes yeah you know the media has got you fused with a state of fear Mm. believing all the hate and lies that you hear I used to believe everything they told me was true. But since 9-11, I know I stay lied to. Go smash your TV. You can choose to be free. Stand up and be a new page in history. Mm. Come on. You know what I'm saying? And it's like now I see that spirit is our only weapon. We need to learn again to use our true power within. They can never take that away. It can't turn night to day. They don't want to hear me say truth exists all around you. Don't believe what they spit at you. They don't want you to know love. They don't want you to know that you belong. They don't want you to look above. They don't want you to know that you are strong. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, man. I feel it. Wow. And like, I, I, was, I was like, oh, my God. You know, like someone is preaching to me. I mean, we turn the fucking TV off. Turn it off. If I have any advice (laughs) to give to anyone, turn your TV off. Turn the TV off. And give jazz a chance. (laughs) You need to know about current events. It's good to be informed, yada, yada, yada. You need, we all need to be cognizant of the trash that we are taking in. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. It makes you sick. It's dividing up families. It's ruining friendships. People physically ill. I'm looking at something that's telling me I'm going to die. You're going to die. If you catch this thing, you're going to die. You're going to die. You're going to die. You're going to die. And then the first thing you do is you sneeze and you're like, do I have it? Yes. <laughs> you know, I got a runny nose. Oh, no, I'm going to die. <laughs> it's like like you never had a runny nose before COVID. You never yeah. sneezed before COVID. 
Oh man, was, I start coughing on the flu, road. There was never a cold. There was never anything. You yeah. know, and it's like that's really uh, what I see. I turned on. I I stopped watching the news probably eleven or twelve years ago. I think. Me too. Over ten. Because every time I turned it on, this person was raped, killed, this happened, that happened. It was all that all the time. And like I, me being an empath, I was like, it was overwhelming. I would, I would cry whenever I watched the news. And I was like, I have to turn this off because I'm literally just like sitting in my room crying. Like, what am I going to do? Like, what is that family going to do? What is it, you know, like, what are we, what's happening? What are we doing? And they yeah. never show you the good shit to balance never. you out. Never. You no, know, at the very end they go, and here's a dog that, you know. Or once a year, CNN and, heroes. Yeah, totally. Right, whatever. Yeah. No, it's, but, you know, you what's know? funny is that like the 630, like just the stupid habits we would get into during COVID because it was like a new, you know. Like we were, we were like in a snowstorm for a year, right? You had to sit in the house. 6.30 news would come on that ABC World News and it would just be like, we're starting now tonight with the COVID numbers. And it would just be like, deaths are this and hospitalizations are that. And then it's, let's go to the wildfires and then let's go to the hurricanes and let's go to this and let's go to the, you know, you know Trump's tear gassing peaceful protesters and, and you're watching it all and it's like, like you said, you know, like you, if you have any empath in you, it, it breaks you. And then it's like, oh, let's go sit down for dinner now. Right. <laughs> like I'm supposed to sit down for dinner and then get ready for bed. And, and it's like the end of my day is just like, oh, every, you know, it just like totally guts you. Yeah. What yeah. do you think you're going to dream about now? <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It and then it's like, oh, where's good... that Xanax? Where's that booze? Yeah. Where's that whatever? Right. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, 100%. Absolutely. I, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, I, every everybody who's around me, they know I'm like, turn that shit off. Yeah, yeah totally. Okay, I watch basketball. Yeah. Sometimes. This guy, I this guy. I, I, I told my brother this and he, he loved it. He cracked up. There's this neighbor of mine who, like, you know, he'll, he'll, he tries to crowbar a political view <laughs> into a conversation yeah. and he, he goes like, so blah, blah, we're talking about whatever. And he goes, well, you know, they're going to be building some of these Pelosi palaces now. And you got to, and I'm like, bro, I, I watch cartoons and listen to the grateful dead. Yeah. I, that's what I said. I go, I yeah. don't know what you're talking about. Nope. I, I, that's it. And he goes, all right, well, you know, you, you should probably pay attention. Cause I'm like, yeah, well, nice. Yep, exactly. So I could be sir. in a good mood like you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not that we should be in denial, but at least tell me the truth or at least balance it out with the other side of the coin. Yeah, Uh, if you want to talk Rick and Morty, I'm I'm all for it. (laughs) (laughs) Man, it was so great talking to you. Will you come back and hang with us again? This is like awesome, man. It's so cool. Man, it's such an awesome experience to hear someone's story that like of of, because quitting is always that thing that, you know, you can always just it's always right there. And, and sometimes it takes going through the shit to look back and go, ah, I did it. And you did no, it multiple you, yeah, times. You have to, I mean, you just have to keep pushing forward, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Keep yeah. going. Keep going. 
Thank you so much for sharing those stories with the listeners. That's super important. Everyone that listens is always like, you guys somehow keep topping yourselves and we did it again somehow. (laughs) Those stories are just amazing. So thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Would you be able to tell all the listeners where they could find out if you guys are going to be in their area and where they can support you guys and and all of that? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we're on fucking stupid ass facebook (laughs) (laughs) yes i wish that was the actual thing you had to type in (laughs) you know what i might i might change our uh fucking stupid ass (laughs) dot com and power just so everybody knows we're on facebook we're on instagram Uh i love instagram uh, yeah. They're owned by Facebook. Owned by Facebook. Stupid ass <laughs> Facebook, aren't they? Not so fucking stupid oh, ass Instagram. Geez, yeah. <laughs> um, but we have a website. Probably the best way. Cool. Uh, com. All of our dates are there. Ticket links. Um, I'm actually about to put 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 up some merch. Cool. on there because i know a lot of people want uh some merchandise uh so we'll we'll put it online so people can buy it online because we live in an age of technology and you should be able to order some men's power merch if you want it <laughs> i need a little Actually, that's our secret we're like you have to come to a show to get it <laughs> <laughs> well um, thank you so much yeah that's, I mean, that's about it. I mean, when the album comes out, obviously it'll be on all platforms. Nice. Every platform you can think of. And what is that date again? September 29th. Oh, You're in California for quite first. a bit. Yeah. yeah. I'm checking out your, uh, our schedule. Goddamn fucking website right now. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, we love you. Yeah, Nikki. thank you so I'm much. I'm so yeah, glad you, you came too. on. And be safe. Tell uh, Nate and Nick that, you know, know how much I love them. Yes, I will. I will. uh, Please give Nigel our love and Jess. Please. I'm going to buy a little Nigel-sized If Power shirt. Yeah. Have stitched my first concert on it. (laughs) (laughs) In New Orleans. Stay safe out on the road and keep saving lives, huh? Thank you. We will try our best. Bless you, Mama. Love you. Osiris. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. 
Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.